0: If you're a business owner, you do not need me to tell you that running a business is rough. You know this, but you might be making it tougher on yourself than necessary. Do not let QuickBooks and spreadsheets slow you down any longer. It is time for you to upgrade to NetSuite. Listen to me. Stop paying for multiple systems that do not give you the information that you need when you need it. Man, ditch the spreadsheets and all that old software that you've outgrown that is so outdated. Upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. It's the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, your HR, your inventory, your e-commerce, and everything you need all in one place instantaneously. So whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, you need to save time and money, and you can do so with NetSuite. Join the over 21,000 companies that are using and loving NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at NetSweet.com slash Rome. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash Rome. NetSweet.com slash R O M E.
1: The law of the farm has never changed. You still have to plow, uh, you still have to plant. You still have to fertilize. You still have to weed, and you still have to water that no matter how fast the world moves i think there's some things that don't change human nature is i don't want to have to do all the hard stuff i just want all the fruit that comes from it but your roots determine your fruits.
0: yo what's Kraken. welcome to episode 147 of the original side hustle the Jim Rohn Podcast. Thank you so much for being here and working this thing into your routine. The reason I do this side hustle is so I can have conversations like this one. I'm hyped. I'm pumped. My guest this week is Texas A&M head basketball coach, Buzz Williams. Buzz and I do go back a little bit of time now, but I had not been able to reach out and connect with him, and I knew this was the best time and the best place to do it. This is one you're going to want to hear. This is one you're going to really enjoy. I couldn't wait to get caught up with Buzz to find out what he's thinking, what he's doing, what his message is to his team, to the rest of the world, which books he's reading, all the good stuff with Buzz. Episode 147 with Buzz Williams is coming at you right now. So, Buzz, it's been a minute or two since you and I have spoken before we get into your team and the season. Let me first ask you, how are you and yours doing, Buzz, during this most unusual time? And what has 2020 been like for you personally?
1: (laughs) Thanks for asking. I'm grateful always to be able to spend some time with you. Obviously, a very unique year thus far, unprecedented times. Um, What what I've tried to do, Rome, is just um, try to take all of the unique things and try to turn it into a positive experience i've been able to spend more time with my wife and our four children than ever before um that has been fantastic and then obviously just through what we've all been through i think if you're trying to grow in wisdom and learning uh there's multiple opportunities every day with all the things that are going on so um hopefully we're all better because of it but uh, my family is doing great, and I appreciate you asking about them.
0: Yeah, I can appreciate that response, Buzz, and I knew that you would attack that the way you attack everything else, and I knew you'd make the most of that family time, so that's good to hear. So, Buzz, you were named the SEC Coach of the Year last season in your first year in the conference, and you were all set to lead your guys into the SEC tournament when that pandemic hit right before the tourney opener. I've talked to other coaches about this, but I really want your thoughts. How challenging, how tough was it to break that news to your team? And what was your message to them?
1: Yeah, I I don't know, uh, Rome, if I handled it the right way in hindsight. Um, We got a bye. And so we traveled to Nashville on Tuesday in hopes that we could uh, do a live scout on Wednesday in preparation for our game on Thursday. Uh, Obviously, it was our first year here. Had never been to Nashville. um, Just wanted to better understand all that came with that. Uh, We went to shoot around on Wednesday morning. And then on Thursday morning, because there were scheduled to be a full slate of games Thursday, we had shoot around in our conference room at the hotel Thursday morning at 11 and I started shoot around by telling them guys I have no idea what's going on I do not know if we're going to play because the previous night was when all of this initially began which would have been I think uh, March the 11th we were scheduled to play on March the 12th so uh, it's A few minutes after 11, we're in the conference room. It's our staff. It's our players. Everybody's shoes are off. Uh, We actually do shoot around. We tape the floor like it's a court. Everybody takes their shoes off. And then we have a sock that has like uh, 10, 10 rolls of tape around it, and we use that as a ball. And I said, but, guys, what we can control is the next 40 minutes that we're here in our last prep for Missouri. Uh, we finished shoot around. Uh, we had a huddle. We prayed. Our kids eat pregame after shoot arounds. I uh, never eat the day of the game. So I went up to my hotel room. And as I walked into the hotel room, like the door had not shut. And my wife said, the SEC just canceled the tournament. It just came across the ticker. And I was like, okay. And I caught the door and went right back down to the hotel floor um, to tell our team. And I said, guys, I don't know anything else. I'll see you tonight at eight o'clock. And when we meet at eight, I'll have some level of plan. And so we met together again late that night. I said, guys, the plane's coming to get us tomorrow morning. That was Friday, March the 13th. We flew home. Uh, we came to the facility. I said, guys, uh, Texas A&M has extended spring break for one week. The NCAA is going to up, Uh, pay for you guys to get home for those of you that need a plane flight. And we'll be back a a week from now. And obviously that has, uh, I think we ended up having, I was counting spring breaks. I think we had 26 weeks consecutive of spring break. Um, So obviously at that moment in time, Jim, we didn't know what it was going to be. And I don't think that anybody necessarily knew that it was going to turn into what it's turned into.
0: Wow. So Buzz, a 26 week spring break like what what was that like for you and the staff to be away from the players
1: yeah you've probably heard a lot of people say this number one the first thing i would say was i didn't know what zoom was um and then eventually shortly thereafter jim is when the state of texas mandated a quarantine stay at your house uh that has never happened um and so uh the first week I was like, well, this is great. I'll just rest. Uh, And then the second week, it was like, okay, I need to figure out what's going on. And then the third week, it was like, okay, I've got to figure out some way to do good, do good uh, with my family, do good with our staff, do good with our team. And so I started, in week number three, started to find some level of forcing myself into a routine, into some sort of rhythm. Um, so I would, I read a lot. I would wake up early, read, do my quiet time, my devotions, do all of that stuff. I would wake up my family. And then I started training my family. I built a squat rack up against the garage. Um, and (laughs) I would, I have a 11 year old, a 14 year old, a 17 year old, an 18 year old, and then my wife. And so I would train my family. Uh, I would train and then I would train them every day. And then I just started figuring out ways to be efficient and effective with my time. I started walking a lot, and I would walk uh, five to seven miles a day and kind of had a route. And I would call staff members on the way there, and then I would call our players on the way back. Uh, and then we would schedule Zooms as far as recruiting at certain times throughout each day. And so it just kind of became a new lifestyle, uh, uncomfortable trying to figure out how to do right, but just tried to find my way, uh an accountable way to be to our staff, to our team, to my family. And so uh now we're kinda I don't know that we're back to normal, but at, we're not back to normal. But there's kind of hints of both now and what we're trying to do relative to the protocol uh with COVID. And with all the different things that are required in the state of Texas as of now.
0: I was going to say, Buzz, what you did was you found a new normal. And I'm not sure what my favorite part of that is. The fact that you built that squat rack so you could train your family. Or the fact that you took those walks and you made sure to check in with everybody. Like knowing you and your regimentation, of course you were going to figure this out at some point. I am curious, and I was going to ask you about this. Because at a time, Buzz, when almost nobody will reach for a book, I know you're still a carnivorous reader. What are you reading these days?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, I I read three books at a time. Um, one is spiritual, one is some sort of leadership, and then one is some sort of business or biographical. But I, I read one book a week, and obviously I was able to get a little further ahead than normal during uh, the extended quarantine. And what, what I've tried to do a little bit, just because I have so far to go, is, I've tried to expand my reach on things that I wouldn't typically read uh because I don't have any expertise in that area and because I knew I had more time. I struggle with things that I don't understand because it frustrates me. And so as I begin to read things that I'm unfamiliar with, it requires me to do more research outside of that book so I can better understand that book. Um So I'm probably at a, like a third or fourth grade level now of some things that I was a preschooler at in some regard. So it's been really healthy. I've read all of the latest books that you think that I've read. I've read Kirby Smart's newest book. I've read Max Lucado's newest book. I've read Joyce Meyer's newest book, Andy Andrews' newest book. I've read all of the uh, Bob Goff's newest book. I read Marty Smith's book for a second time. I've read a lot of the latest stuff that you would see at Barnes & Noble. When you would walk in, but I've also tried to read some things maybe that, um, you know, Annie Duke, uh, the lady that won world series of poker. She wrote a book called thinking and bets. She has a new book that came out, uh, that's coming out, uh, next week. Uh, I read her stuff, studied her stuff, did a zoom with her. I've tried to do a lot of zooms with as many authors as I could. And then I've done a lot of the, some of the biographical stuff that I read uh was a lot of old stuff. You remember uh Brian Curtis, you know Brian, Brian wrote a book about Tom Coughlin when Coughlin uh was with the Giants and they were trying to fire him and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. You remember the famous uh so I've done a, a lot of Seth Godin's original books, Lynchpin, some of his old stuff. I've kind of reread that. So um I've tried to catch up on some of my reading. Yes.
0: Buzz, you are prolific, like I said, carnivorous in your reading, that's amazing. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake this time or eat a bar or grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire and it goes wherever you go. To the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? You also were watching the NBA finals along with plenty of the rest of the country, but you had a rooting interest now. You recruited both Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder to Marquette when you were there. Pretty amazing. Start with Jimmy. How did you get Jimmy?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I try not to always uh, tell the story. It's very unique. Both of their recruiting stories are unique in and of themselves. Um, I should not have got the job when I was hired at Marquette. I had resigned after only one season at the University of New Orleans, took the job at New Orleans right after Hurricane Katrina. Um, at that time, in my opinion, one of our country's greatest, I don't know if greatest is the right word, but one of its potent national disasters, uh, there was one last month that has really hurt the state again. It was just not a great time to be a first-year head coach I resigned. And then in essence, eight months later became the head coach at Marquette. It's a top 20 job in an all basketball league was not deserving of the opportunity. And Jimmy was the first player that we signed when I was hired there. I was hired on April the 8th. We signed Jimmy on April the 15th, April the 15th is always when the spring signing period starts. It's, Uh, tax day, but it's also uh, when the spring signing starts for men's basketball. And uh, Jimmy was not recruited out of high school. He was a qualifier. He did not have to go to junior college from an academic standpoint. He went to junior college at Tyler Junior College just because uh, nobody recruited him. And we had signed a player from Tyler in November. And the player we had signed from Tyler Junior College in November I had signed as an assistant at Texas A&M, and then he went to a prep school because uh, he needed another year of maturity. I signed that same player. His name is Joe Fulce at the University of New Orleans in November. And so by the time he was scheduled to arrive in the summer for summer school, I had left to become an assistant at Marquette. That player, his name was Joe Fuls. So Joe says, well, coach, if I'm not coming to New Orleans and I've already been to prep school, what am I supposed to do now? And I said, well, I know you don't want to because you don't have to, but you probably should go to junior college and be re-recruited. I ended up signing him at Marquette. And so when I took the job at Marquette, when I was offered the job, I called Joe to let him know that I was going to be hired the next day as the head coach. And he said, hey, coach, do you want to sign my roommate?" Well, I knew who his roommate was because I had recruited Joe throughout the year. And I was like, well, Joe, do you think Jimmy's good enough? And he goes, Coach, you would love Jimmy. And I said, well, does Jimmy want to come? He goes, yeah. I said, well, look, I'll call you tomorrow night after the press conference, and maybe I can talk to you and Jimmy. So the night of my press conference, April the 8th, I guess that was 2008, I called Joe. Hey, Joe, what's up? Press conference went good, this and that. Coach, you want to talk to Jimmy? Sure. Hey, Jimmy, new coach, uh, shouldn't have got this job. I know you know who I am. Obviously, I know who you are. Do you want to come? He said, yeah, Coach, I want to come. What do I do? I said, well, I'm going to send you some papers next week, and you can sign them. And that was how we signed Jimmy. Uh, he never visited. Uh, I never wrote him 9,000 handwritten note, written notes. Uh, that was He was our first signee at Marquette and uh just incrementally got better. Uh just like he has in my opinion uh in the league and Jay's story in my opinion as from a coaching lens is just as unique, maybe even more so than Jimmy's. Neither one of those guys Romy, ever officially visited Marquette. They never officially they never took a visit. Incredible. They never took a visit not to Marquette. They never took a visit. And here's what uh it w- what it won't be said but It's okay uh, because you're my favorite media darling. But, you know, when they had the TBT back during the quarantine, uh, Darius Johnson-Odom, the team uh, that represented Marquette in the TBT, they won it. And Darius Johnson-Odom was the leading scorer in the Big East. He was on the team with Jimmy and Jay. And we signed Darius Johnson-Odom, and he never took a visit anywhere. We signed him at Marquette as well in uh djo's senior year he was the leading scorer in the big east in jay's senior year he was the big east player of the year so those were three really good players three guys that all have played in the nba obviously and three guys that never took an official visit <laughs> coming I, out of coming
0: out of school it's amazing buzz like i i've never i mean i know the story but I still can't believe the story, and I've never heard anything like that or anything close to that. You know, one more thought, and I'm not trying to single out Jimmy, but I think that a lot of people didn't really know what he was about or how he was wired and then watched in amazement buzz when he did what he did in the finals. But if you know him, it's Mm -hmm. not a surprise. But what does it say about Jimmy, for instance, that even as a max guy right now, he continues to grind and work and compete the way he does? Yeah,
1: I, I think that's why it's hard. Uh, you don't have to like Jimmy, but it's incredibly hard if you're built on the right stuff to not respect Jimmy. I, I think how he handled the injuries to Bam. I think how he handled the injuries to their guard. Uh, man, he he was trying to carry a heavy burden on both ends of the floor. Uh, and how he went about his work, in my opinion, is – the exact same way that he's went about his work, not only during his eight years in the league, but I also think that's how he went about his work during the three years he was with us. You know, like um, you always hear about players that love it. uh, And you want to be around players that love it. And you can kind of watch, even if you don't know people, whether their industry is playing ball or playing football or, uh, doing radio or TV or coaching, like you can just watch him and you go, I don't know if he really loves what he's doing. But when you watch people, it's easy to see. It's almost transparency like, wow, I don't know what he's doing, but I'm watching this show on Broadway in New York and I'm like, that person absolutely loves what they're doing. Jimmy loves what he's doing, and I think that's fairly easy to see. But what you can't see is he lives that. He doesn't just love it. Like, he literally lives it. He lives that sort of way. Lives in a very narrow lane. Doesn't have any hobbies. Has, in my opinion, for someone as gifted as he is, the least amount of distractions you can possibly have as a person, regardless of your career. He doesn't just love it. He lives what he loves. And I think that's the separator. Is he better? Is he more talented? I'm not saying any of that. But he has the ability to do it better for longer, whatever that is. He can do it better, but as important or more important, he can do it longer. You watch game five, and it's like, whoa. And I'm like, yeah, we're in good shape. I'm watching the game with my wife and kids like we've watched every other game in the bubble and I'm like, we're right where we need to be. No, it's a close game. It's just, I go, I know, but Jimmy can do it longer. He can just keep doing it. He can do it good. He can do better, but he can do it for longer. And in my opinion, the, it, the connection is because he doesn't just love it. Like he lives this. And I think that's the separator for him from a competitive spirit standpoint.
0: Buzz, I mean, this is one of my favorite topics ever. I think this is the separator for all of us who want to achieve Absolutely. anything at all, right? So here's my question. Yeah. If he is a guy that lives with fewer distractions than other people who are attacking their craft the way he does, is he just not interested in going to the club or getting on his phone and going on social media and buying a bunch of stuff he doesn't need? You know, all the crap that we all do, does that not interest him? Or did he train himself not to get caught up in that because he knew what his why was and what he wanted to accomplish?
1: Yeah, man, great question. I could talk on that for a long time, so I'll give you two specific, uh succinct answers to it. So, you know, Jimmy was the last pick in the first round going into the strike year. So he never played his first NBA game until Christmas Day of his rookie year. Jimmy uh, worked out for 17 teams going into the draft. 17 is more than anybody ever because everybody kind of knows what range you go in. If you work out for 17 teams, it means nobody really knows. Are you any good? Can you be any good? Should you be drafted? Where should you be drafted? Nobody knew, And he was the perfect sixth guy to bring to a workout. So he worked out for literally 60% of the league. So he's drafted 30th. He went to Portsmouth uh, prior to the workouts. He's MVP. I go to Portsmouth. I take my oldest son, Bubba. Bubba, we're going to go watch Jimmy. Bubba's young. I, uh, when we get there, we're going to watch the game, and uh, we'll take him and get a hamburger after, okay? It's going to be fun, just me and you. I told Jimmy, Jimmy, me and Bubba are going to come, but we're not going to come the first night because you only play one game. We show up the next day for the first full day of Portsmouth. I walk in, he's warming up. It's at the little high school gym in Portsmouth. He's warming up and he runs over to give that to Bub And he goes, Hey coach, all these people keep coming up to me. I go, "Who?" you know, there ain't nobody in there. There's a hundred people in the gym. He goes, all these people. And he's motioning towards all these people. And I go, "Well, Jimmy, uh, that's fine. He goes, well, they keep saying they want to know who my agent's going to be. And I go, Jimmy, we'll figure that out later. And he's like, I know. So I've told all of them, can I have your business card? Because I want to give it to Coach Buzz. Coach Buzz is going to help me. He interviews four agents. I never say a word, but I'm there when he interviews the agents. Signs with an agent. Goes into the strike. So there's no money. Jimmy is still working out at Marquette's campus, and he's been the first pick. So the agent – we're playing December the 7th. It's uh, in the Jimmy V Classic at the Garden. Uh, Jay Crowder hits a three in the corner with two seconds left to beat him by one. Before the game, Villanova's playing Missouri. Villanova's in uh, the Big East. So we're able to live scout according to NCAA rules. And his agent, who I don't really know. I've been a coach for whatever, three years now. He goes, hey, Buzz, is there something wrong with Jimmy? And I go, Hey man, good to see you. What, what, what's wrong with Jimmy? He goes, he won't take any money from us. Like they're in a strike. Like he's wow. not, he doesn't have a job. I go, yeah, he's not going to take any money from you. He goes, yeah, I know, but you know, he can pay us back. I go, yeah, he's not going to take anything from anybody ever. And he's like, why? And I go, yeah, it's too long of a story to explain <laughs> all that, but he ain't taking anything. Wow. Here's the second story. So he's, in the workout, in the off season, this is after his fourth year in the league, he calls me, he goes, hey, Coach, I'm going to turn my phone off. And I was like, okay. I go, why are you calling to tell me you're going to turn my phone off? He goes, well, I'm going to turn it off for the next 100 days. And I go, okay, well, where are you going? He goes, oh, we found this place way out here in the woods, and I told him I wanted to rent it for the summer, but I don't want any electronics, no TV, no cable. No internet, no Wi-Fi, no nothing. So it's me, and he tells me his small group that works with him. And I go, so what are you going to do? He goes, Coach, it's perfect. We're going to wake up at 3. We're going to train at 4. We're going to take a nap from 8 to 10. We're going to have yogurt, protein bars. We're going to train at noon. And he's telling me what he's going to do every day. I go, I guess I'm going to talk to you in 100 days. He goes, 101. I'm going to keep it off for 100 he just lives in a very narrow, narrow lane. And if I could pick up on some of those habits, like you mentioned, I think I would be less distracted myself.
0: Yeah, but, Buzz, that is amazing. Like like any of us would survive 100 hours with that kind of regimen. <laughs> that, that That is absolutely amazing. I love that. I couldn't yeah. love that anymore. Yeah. Now, listen, you, I mean, you and I, I could do this with you for hours and hours and hours. I want to ask you this. One of my favorite things about the Final Four is all the young coaches showing up, trying to hustle gigs in the hotel lobbies. Now, I've seen this firsthand for years. Chris Beard tells that famous story because they made their run last year. He actually reset that story about how he once ran into me in the Final Four back in the day as a young assistant and I gave him a key to my hotel floor. Not my room, but my hotel floor, so he and his dudes could crush the floor buffet. It's an amazing story. You yourself showed up as a young guy at the 94 Final Four in Charlotte. (laughs) I didn't know you then, Buzz, but I was there that (laughs) weekend. How did you finance that trip, and what was your personal strategy Uh, for that weekend?
1: (laughs) I saw, uh, I read about, and then I Googled it. Obviously, uh, Beard is one year, older than me I've known Beard since he was a GA we've known each other our whole career he's arguably the best coach in the country and I saw that story thank you for doing that for him um I started as a junior college manager my first two years in college I was an NAI manager my junior and senior year in college I worked a college basketball camp every week of every summer of my entire college career, every coach that I would meet, obviously it's a different world now than it was then, no matter what level, division three, two, one, assistant, head coach, video coordinator, no matter what, if you had a business card and it said division one, from that moment forward on uh, a yellow legal sheet of paper, I wrote a note once a week to those coaches. Um, 425 college coaches was what I was writing the spring semester of my senior year in college. Uh, I didn't, I I paid my way to college. So I was broke by then, but I had developed relationships with all of the secretaries at all of the buildings on campus, the music school, the law school, the education school, all of the, the financial aid office, the, President's office, the registrar's office. I knew all the secretaries, and then I met all of the people in the mailroom. So what I would do is I would go to each of those buildings, and because I knew who the secretaries were, I would ask them for, you know, some extra envelopes and letterhead, because if I wrote on that letterhead and with that envelope, I would then carry those letters back to that secretary and say. Can you mail these for me when they pick up your mail? because uh it would say o c u School of Music, and the mailman who worked <laughs> for o c u would pick them up because I didn't have enough money to pay for that amount of stamps every week. It's seventeen hundred stamps, so i was I didn't have any money and so uh, I developed great relationships with all of those people, and then I also developed great relationships with the guy that was worked in the mail room in the morning. And then I worked uh, great relationships with the people that worked in the mail room in the afternoon. So one of the ladies that helped me at the financial aid office with the mail, I was explaining to her that I had joined the NABC as a senior in college. That was in 1993, 94, when I was a senior. And I was explaining to her, like, someday I hope I can be a coach and be a part of the NABC instead of just being a manager paying my dues to be a member. And she said, well, how do you do that? And I said, well, you know, you go to the Final Four, and then maybe someday you get a job. She goes, well, you should go to the Final Four. And I go, yeah, I want to go someday, but I don't have any money. She said, well, you should take out a loan. And I go, well, how am I going to take out a loan? She said, well, as a student, you can take out an emergency student loan. So I know this is a longer answer than you want you wanted. No, but no, not at all. I took out a twelve hundred dollar student loan from the financial aid office at Oklahoma City University. My head coach was Win Case. He's now an assistant at Ole Miss, and he got a free suit every year from Backrack. You remember Backrack when it was copied. I do.
0: I do. And I used to go there.
1: The, yeah, it was at the Penn Square Mall. So I developed a relationship. With the manager at Backrack, because I was always going to get Coach Case a shirt and a tie, and the manager thought it was silly that I was going in there picking out Coach Case's <laughs> clothes and picking out his stuff. And so I took out a $1,200 loan. I bought my first suit ever as an adult from Backrack. I bought a round trip ticket from Oklahoma City to Charlotte, uh, and I landed, and I was in Charlotte for 72 hours. I did not have a hotel room because I didn't have any money, and I had no idea what to do. But I knew that the headquarter hotel for the NABC was at the Adams Mark. I didn't know that that, in essence, meant that's where the head coaches stayed. So for 72 consecutive hours, I stood in the Adams Mark hotel lobby, and I had printed out my resume on every color of construction paper possible, kind of the cardstock construction paper and all it said was here's my name here's my address the address was actually my dorm address here's my phone number i didn't have a cell number the phone number was the athletic director secretary's phone number at ocu because she uh (laughs) she took care of me because i was always trying to mow her yard and babysit her kids and help her so i put her phone number uh as my phone number and then my resume said hey, I got an associate's degree from Navarro College. I was a manager. I'm currently at Oklahoma City University. I'm going to get my degree, and I was a manager. It was a one-page deal, and I just stood there for 72 hours and passed out my resume, and then I was always in search of the 425 coaches that I would write, many of which I had only met once, and then from that point I had been writing them. And so I just stood there and almost was like the you know, concierge at the Adams, Mark, hey, how you doing? Anything you need, coach? And then I would just hand him my resume. And that was eventually how I was hired at UT Arlington in the bottom spot.
0: All right, so this in and of itself is an absolutely amazing story, Buzz, but this is how you became who you are, and this is the, the the journey that you took, and this is the price and the length that you were willing to go to. Beard is the same yeah. way, and I'm really thrilled to hear that you guys are as close as you are. You know, Just to put yeah. a cap on that story, too, as good as that story was, my favorite part of that story was after he started to come up in the world, he came on the show after a first big tournament win, and he said to me, he goes, you know, Rome, you and I, we, we have history. We know each other. I said, no, yeah. no, no, we don't. He goes, oh, yes, we do. Oh, yes, we do. That's and it. he retells The story, and I had no idea that he was that guy back then. I just thought he was another jumpsuit, right? Yep. Here's my question. That's right. So I've got my son. My son is a sophomore in college at Wisconsin. He wants to be in the media, not sports, but more politics. And I say to him, son, you can't run my playbook. You can't. He's heard all my stories, you know, like your stories. What do we tell young people today? The world has changed. It's not like when you and I came up and we showed up with one suit in a lobby and we posted up for 72 Mm -hmm. hours. Or maybe is it still like that? What's your advice for young people who are entering a very different world and a fierce world?
1: Yeah, I, 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 I agree with your parental advice on you can't use my playbook. Uh, This is how I would, uh, now I'd like to think on that a little bit, and I would do better if I had time to think. This is what I do believe, though, uh, Rome. The law of the farm has never changed. You still have to plow. Uh, You still have to plant. You still have to fertilize. You still have to weed. And you still have to water. And yes, our world is different now than it was 20 years ago. But I think there are certain values. I think there are certain uh principles that no matter how fast the world moves, I think there's some things that don't change. And no matter what industry you want to be in, uh you still have to work. You've got to plow your ground. And you still have to know what seeds to plant. And you have to know... Uh, the depth of the seed, how far it has to go, what kind of soil you need to plant it in. You still have to know how much dirt to cover that particular type of seed with. Uh, you still have to know uh, how to water that plant, how often, what time of day. You still have to know what kind of fertilizer to put on that relationship, to put on that plant in order for it to grow, to be the best that it can be. And as it's growing, you can't let Uh, you can't let the animals uh, eat it. You can't let weeds overtake it. And so the law of the farm, in my opinion, and I know I'm from the country and that's a very country way to answer it, but that's, that hasn't changed. And even though social media may think that it's changed and you can filter it and you can change it. Nobody ever posts any bad pictures, nobody ever posts any bad highlight videos, but What we see of somebody's outside, it's not the view on the inside. And on the inside, you know your story. And that's why, other than the respect that I have for you, when people ask me my story, I very rarely ever say it publicly because I I know my story, but I don't ever want to say it where it comes out like, man, if you do this, then look what happens. Cause I don't think that that's correct. There's only one Jim Rome. That's my opinion. And nobody can use your playbook. But the process in which your son or anybody else that's trying to do something of the genre that you do, the law of the farm, it hasn't changed. And I don't think it is going to change. If you don't want to get out there and plow, then it ain't going to work. If you're going to try to be good at anything and you're not willing to work, it doesn't work. And Like I tell our players, man, every day, what are we doing? What are we doing today, Buzz? Oh, I got a really good idea. You know what we're going to do today? We're going to water the plant. We're going to water the plant. Hey, Buzz, what are we going to do tomorrow? Man, I've been thinking about it. We're going to water the plant. And that's the hard part, no matter what it is, is do you have the toughness and the discipline? I can do it again. I can do it again. I can do it again. And if you're doing it for the fame, if you're doing it for the money, if you're doing it for the cars, if you're doing it for the followers, I think at some point it's short circuits. But if, if you want sustainable growth, then I think it's something that you have to do every day. And I think that's the hardest thing because human nature is, I don't want to have to do all the hard stuff. I just want all the fruit that comes from it. But your roots determine your fruits. And so how can you develop your roots? And so if... I can fly to Madison, and that's what I would tell your son. Oh,
0: man. See, I I disagree with you, Buzz. You do not need to think on that any further. You already nailed that. You've already got the answer. It is the law of the farm, and your roots determine your fruits. Let me ask you something. Did you know that a fire department responds to a fire every 24 seconds? fact in October is Fire Prevention Month, and we have teamed up with First Alert, which is the most trusted brand in fire safety, to help you be prepared for the unexpected and to review some key safety tips. As an example, smoke and carbon monoxide alarms can help provide an early warning in the event of a home emergency. So you want to make sure you have enough first alert smoke and carbon monoxide alarms. And it's one of the best things that you can do for your home and your family. Make sure to install alarms on every single level and in every bedroom of your home. And once they are installed, it's important to make sure that you maintain them by testing them with regularity. Also, remember the alarms do not last forever. They do need to be replaced at least every decade. If you can't remember the last time you replaced your alarm, it is best to just replace that unit completely. And as an option for replacement, my favorite is obviously First Alert's combination smoke and carbon monoxide alarm with a 10-year sealed battery. This alarm provides two-in-one protection. For more information on fire safety products, safety tips, and educational activities that you can do at home with your family, make sure to check out FirstAlert.com slash Fire Prevention Month. Once again, go to FirstAlert.com slash Fire Fire Prevention Month, you have been around. On the way up like any young, ambitious driver, you were willing to yep. do what you had to do and go where you had to go to improve yourself, but you're back in your native state. Now, you haven't been there mm-hmm. that long. Nothing is forever, but there's yep. been a person or two close to you that say this could be, quote, your forever job. It's a really strong statement, but is that how it feels to you?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I, I um, I'm not dodging the question, Rome. I just think, uh, similar to the last topic that we just covered, you know, the, it's, this industry has just become so volatile. And what I've tried to do, and I look back, like I, all of the questions over the last two and a half, three weeks about Jimmy and Jay. And, you know, uh, two series before that, the Heat were playing the Bucks. Wesley Matthews was on our team at Marquette. And then the 8-9 playoff game, uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, who plays for the Pelicans, who was drafted last year, played for us at Virginia Tech. I absolutely loved our time, as did my family in Blacksburg, Virginia. Whip Babcock is one of the best administrators I've ever been around. We were accepted into that community. And raising a family, it was literally like Mayberry, but there was an ACC institution in that town. It was an unbelievable five years, 2-16 and to the Sweet 16. I I would never trade any of it. I am glad to be here. Um, I am thankful to be here, and I know when I say that, it comes across selfish. Uh, My dad was able to come to, like, six or eight games this year. He hasn't been to six or eight games In my entire career, my mom was able to come to three or four or five games this year. She hasn't been to three or four or five games of my entire career. Uh, Have my children been able to see some cousins that they would typically see every third year? Yes. Is there value in being at home? Yes. A lot of these high school coaches in the state, uh, AAU coaches in the state, they've literally known, they know my whole story. They they know all of it. Do they want to help? Yes. Have they tried to help? Yes. Here's where I want to be conclusive in what I say. I'm humbled just to have a chance because I never thought I was going to have a chance. And it would be um, arrogant of me to think that I've earned this chance without a, a a lot of people showing me their hand and pulling me. And so, However long it is that I coach and wherever it is that I coach, what I want to hold myself accountable to is how many people can I help? And I make mistakes. I don't do everything right. My tone is wrong, but I never want my intent to be wrong. Do I have the best staff? I think that I do. Do they make mistakes? Yes. Do our players, are they the best? No. But how many, how many people when Jim Rome's son interviews them in a national news story 20 years from now, we'll look back at their experience at wherever we've been located. And they'll look at this experience and go, that helped me on my journey to there. And as long as I can just be a transporter of hope and maybe have one or two things of wisdom that I help push towards people that will help change their life or the trajectory of their life in a positive way, regardless of where I'm employed and however long that it is that I coach or I join you and we do our own podcast from an island. I just want to feel like I'm doing something to help.
0: Buzz, I know this to be so. I know this is not something that you just say. I know this is not something you take lightly. You are an extremely in an extremely cutthroat business, yet you have always, always been so eager to help younger coaches, to give back, to find time to make a difference, and I know this is why. I know this is exactly yep. why, because you feel like people have done the same for you. Listen, I know that, that was a big ask on my part to spend that much time with you, Buzz, but I just felt like, especially at this time, I really wanted to connect with you. You and I had not done that for quite a sometime and as we get older and we go through what we go through i know these relationships mean more than they ever have i don't know buzz yeah. i felt like i had to connect to you so i really appreciate you for doing that and i appreciate our friendship and relationship you. you know this
1: so good to talk to you and anytime jim rome calls i always say yes and uh it's because of the respect that i have for you as a human the skill you have in your craft and so in the most sincere way I, it's, I'm honored that you would even ask me to be on the show. It's like multiple bucket lists every time I get to be with you. So I sincerely appreciate it.
0: And let me ask you something. Did you know that a fire department responds to a fire every 24 seconds? Fact. In October is Fire Prevention Month and we have teamed up with First Alert, which is the most trusted brand in fire safety, to help you be prepared for the unexpected and to review some key safety tips. As an example, smoke and carbon monoxide alarms can help provide an early warning in the event of a home emergency. So you want to make sure you have enough First Alert smoke and carbon monoxide alarms and it's one of the best things that you can do for your home and your family. Make sure to install alarms on every single level and in every bedroom of your home. And once they are installed, it's important to make sure that you maintain them by testing them with regularity. Also, remember the alarms do not last forever. They do need to be replaced at least every decade. If you can't remember the last time you replaced your alarm, it is best to just replace that unit completely. And as an option for replacement, my favorite is obviously First Alert's combination smoke and carbon monoxide alarm with a 10-year sealed battery. This alarm provides two-in-one protection. For more information on fire safety products, safety tips, and educational activities that you can do at home with your family, make sure to check out FirstAlert.com slash Fire Prevention Month. Once again, go to FirstAlert.com slash Fire Fire Prevention Month. Man, that was so good. Enormous thanks to Buzz Williams for the time and for the incredible message. The law of the farm has not changed, and neither has Buzz. Still the best. Nobody better. Now, before you dip out, make sure you get subscribed. Leave a review if you can, because that really does help us, as well as you dropping a rating. All of that is so appreciated. Back next week with F148, but until then, here are your coveted and prized voicemails.
2: First new message.
0: Jim, <laughs> Steven Centerfell, one of your greatest lines ever uttered. And that's, that's saying something. The clock. No. About Brady. Were you lobbying for that all important Colorado buffs fifth down? Come on, man. Even for you, that's like Hall of Fame times 18. Also, can't wait for Silk, Silkinson.
2: Message saved. Next message.
1: It's JJ from Kansas City. Hey, Coach O, you got to be careful with that Seagull, boy. They're in Como, baby. The SEC Tigers belong to Mizzou. Bo Pelini, take your pussy cat home. You still suck. You sucked when you were with Nebraska, and LSU should have never hired your ass.
2: Message saved. Next message.
1: Old SmackDonald in the box. What is up? This is David from Buffalo, Russell freaking Wilson. This guy, I mean, Romy, he never gets hit when he scrambles. This guy always can figure out a way to win games. He's never going to be the tallest guy. He's never going to be the guy that can do all the things that, hey, the analytics say, you know, he should do this and do that. Well, you know what the guy does at the end of the game? He fucking wins. Russell Wilson is a winner. He is a Hall of Famer. And I swear he's going to win at least one more ring before it's all said and done. Out.
2: Message saved. Next message.
1: Yo, Jim, it's Dr. Dave. It's been an interesting last few weeks. I've been following Silk Bros' candidacy, and even I gave a little bit to his campaign. But, dude, if you're going to do an interview on television, don't fumble through the quote worse than I fumble through my calls. It makes you look bad. I might have name recognition, too, but based on my lovely appearances on this show, and I'm not going to go around bragging about it to everyone.
2: Message saved. Next message. Hi, Jim. Bella Bean Calgary. I left your voicemail on the weekend about the NBA champs being the Toronto Raptors. Just go ahead and disregard that. Thanks. Message deleted. Next message.
1: Romy, Justin, and Melbourne. Big game this week. My stillers against this so-called America's team. Everybody just slow your roll. We
0: whipped that ass back in the 70s on America's team. And I guess this is the new version of the team. Game on. Stealers roll. You're always
1: going to be our little brother, Cleveland.
2: Message saved. Next message.
1: Hey, homie. This is Barry B. in the Bay Area. Tell these clones to get off my guy, Bryson DeChambo. All he's doing is eating, juicing, and lifting. I mean, you know, guys like us, we just gain muscle mass because we lift, man. We don't juice. It's not about the cream or the clear, man. It's all about
2: gaining muscle mass with honest lifting, Romy. Outro, man. Message deleted. Next message.
1: Rome, the big head is a jinx.
2: Message deleted. You have no more messages.